this is gonna get real hippie real fast and then leave a review please leave a review please leave. all your millions of listeners i'm gonna straighten them out right here please please leave a review i believe i did but if i didn't i will go on there and, and leave a review you yes. can leave another one it, I, I, I don't <laughs> know if i could leave two you got into accounting well i always like i've always liked teaching I've always liked teaching. She can be trusted to teach. What if I just take my accounting knowledge and do some contract work? And I'll just I'll pick up a couple contract clients and just see where it goes. And Amanda literally wrote the book on zero. QBO is a piece of crap. Literally. Like, let's not forget that. You became the mother of all accountants. Well, you know, the elephant in the room with businesses is finance. And when I say all accountants, I mean the change agents in the accounting yeah. industry. Like the That's mother of all cool. change agents, Amanda. That's very sweet. Wow, that's a good segue to accounting salon. Coming from my traditional tax background, show up to the conference and, you know, a sensible dress and heels because that's what you wear to, to accounting conference. <laughs> <laughs> there's a gentleman standing there. He's like, well, I'm Rod Drury. <laughs> what was inspiring or moving like a free virtual conference for the world. It, it was called Salon V and we had like 1200 people. Wow. <laughs> and I feel like that's where Paget fell in this evolution because now you can help all of these other firms. What I think is going to be real, real interesting is in the next five years, you know, probably more than half of accounting practice owners are going to retire. And what happens with those practices? Very, very excited to have a special guest tonight. Amanda Aguilard. Oh, wait, Ackerman, you're better at great face than I am. Oh, God. Well, please just start on the fly, but we'll go for it. Hello and welcome. My name is... You can introduce. I guess... Hello. My name is Jason Ackerman. I am a CPA. Like, hello and welcome. You're doing an accounting firm. Okay, this is not good. Well, we can segue... I don't know how to say your last name correctly, so you say it for us. Sure, Aguilard. There's a it subtlety means. of it, because I wanted to say Aguilard, and it's Aguilard. Is that Aguilard? Because okay. you grew up in Louisiana, right? Oui. I'm so is that, is that like a, that's a French name? Well, uh, yeah, ish. It's French-ish. If you go back a couple hundred years, my ancestors came, part, some of my ancestors came over from the Canary Islands. That's the Spanish part of it, right? Because Aguilard is Spanish. Most of my ancestors were broke ass poor. Can I say ass? Yes, you can um, say whatever, say whatever you want. Yeah, okay. broke Wait, ass poor, this... and we're kicked out of Nova Scotia. That's that's Cajuns. We're kicked out of Nova Scotia, and a lot of them settled down here in South Louisiana. So that's that's my people. Okay, so... this is a question that everyone asks me because I grew up in South Carolina. I don't have a southern accent. Why do you not have a southern accent? You have a slight twang, but it's not like a it's not like Cajun. Louisiana accent. Because I haven't started drinking yet today. Oh. <laughs> Once so, I start drinking, it starts to come out. Is it? Is it? So then the question is, do you hide it? And then when you start drinking, does it flow out? Or are you, are you masking it? Or is it just No, not? I don't, you know, no, I don't, I think it depends on who you ask. I think there are probably some people in this um, country who would be like, I can't even understand a word, Amanda says, because she's got such a thick <laughs> Southern accent. But because y'all are in the Carolinas, ah, probably not as strong. So yeah. ask some of our California friends or our New York friends. They're probably like, that girl, she doesn't sound like <laughs> we can add two and two because she's got such a thick Southern I love that the Cajun accent is the best accent of all yeah. the Southern accents by far. It's number one. Absolutely. It's like molasses. You know, it kind of just flows out. That's why some really good rap is from there, too. Like Wheezy. <laughs> yeah. 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 So there's, I don't, you guys are probably not intimately familiar with Louisiana politics, but we had a governor four times named Edwin Edwards. 
and he was legitimately a crook, like went to jail in between being reelected as our governor. But <laughs> that's like Ed squared. That's like Ed Wynn squared. Yeah, Ed but he was the most charming man ever. He was the most charming man ever. If you ever want to watch some funny stuff like YouTube Edwin Edwards, he has the thickest Cajun accent. But just the stuff he comes out with off the top is you, you could be like, I don't agree with this guy one bit. Also, I know he's taking all of our money, but I'll vote for him because he was just <laughs> that charming. If, if he got the last sound bite, then he's in. You know, he's yeah, got it. Completely. Oh, so. man, that's what's thinking in your head. So you need to hire him to do some sales. I know. Well, well he uh, apparently he's a good salesman it, himself because at like 90 something years old, I think he's got like a 38 year old wife. Ooh, he's selling himself. He's, that's politics, though, right? You just sell yourself. Mm -hmm. uh, I would think. So, what is a Cajun, though? Did like an actual Cajun? Because when I think Cajun, I think spice. Okay, that is not true. That is not accurate. But that's what I think. It's true. That's right. Me. So I'm gonna. I know it's not. All true. your millions of listeners, I'm gonna straighten them out right here. That's billions, but yeah. <laughs> With a B. Cajun. Well, first of all, there are different kind. There's different kinds of Cajun food. So where I grew up was around Lafayette, so it was it was the prairies. So like we eat a lot of a lot of pork, a lot of rice, a lot of gravies, gumbo, jambalaya. So pork products and rice. But there are Cajuns who were closer to the New Orleans area or south, even more south than New Orleans, which there's not that much south in New Orleans, but that lived on like the bayou. So that's like seafood Cajuns. Those are Cajuns that fish and shrimp and, and eat a lot of seafood. So, the, so those are both legitimate Cajun cuisines, but they neither are necessarily spicy. Now I will say everything, everything, like the food is good here, y'all. It's real good. It's flavorful. And it could be spicy, but that's not a defining characteristic of spice. Cajun. Not spicy. Yeah. Spice. spice flavored. Seasoned. It's okay, good. So, so, so tell us. Give us your accounting background. How did you get uh, into accounting? So my accounting background starts in 1996. No, wait, hold on. I did math wrong. 1992. I was a, I was a senior in high school. Years are so elusive, though, right? Uh, so no. senior in high school, that's what matters, senior right? High school. Senior, in high, senior school. high school. I needed an elective. I went to this big public high school. And a friend of mine's mom was an accountant. So kind of, I didn't know what accounting was, but I just knew that was a thing. They're like, well, we have this business class. It's called accounting. I was like, oh, I'll, I'll try that. So senior in high school, I was like, dude, this is, this is it. This is what I'm going to do the rest of my life. I love this. It's all about organization. You know, I went to state rally in accounting. <laughs> like I was all in, I was all in. And so went from there to college, to grad school. I have and to, I have to believe that somehow the accounting part is part of your name too. That's like a three, <laughs> you know, I, for some, some part of me thinks like Amanda Hagar accountant, like yeah. it just fits naturally. Top of the list, yeah. baby. Top of the list. So what'd you, you said Triple organization, a. what did you like about accounting so much that you fell in love? Oh, cause it's like, it's taking a big mess and making it organized it's just taking a bunch of things and putting them in the right slots you know if you can master that you can master your life too right well i i fancy myself a pretty organized person <laughs> I, I mean you, 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 it's like when i'm looking down everything that you do it's you've got so many different columns to keep everything organized it's like a trello board almost uh, my life is a trello <laughs> your board. life is a trello board yes yeah, so my cool. life is a trello board uh, I was trying to list everything, and I think I ran out of God. space on the Google. Um, <laughs> when people are listening to this in 30 years, just, you're going to have to Google Trello. Right, right. 
right. I, would, I would love if somebody was listening to this in 30 years. Please send me a message <laughs> back to the future. Yeah. Well, it could be like podcasts could be like the new, you know, time capsules, honestly. Like, d- does anybody do real time capsules anymore? Everything's digital. So it's like you automatically have a time capsule. Right now, Amanda, that's exactly what we're doing. You cracked open the key. <laughs> just doing a time capsule. That's, the, that's it. So yeah. this is exciting, though. This shaped your mindset on what you do. And in the beginning, you really do focus on getting organized. That's a really key skill set, finances and organization and learning that at a young age. Well, I've always been, I mean, I've always been a dork. Like I always had lists when I was little, you know, I always had lists of things, books I was reading or tours to do. Like I was, I was like the girl who would always want to play office or school, right? Cause I could use the supplies and I could keep things organized. I guess I had baby dolls. I don't remember being attached to baby dolls, but I was like, we are going to run a freaking business out of this bedroom you know i got i got this is new i'm not making a word this up i got a typewriter for for christmas present 1986 so so i could type forms out so i could make forms to play office that is 100 true i mean do you still have that typewriter do you no but i wish that? i did I mean, oh, i'm not gonna say no, that's that the sexiest thing i've ever heard but it's a top five <laughs> i got i got a typewriter and I got the Top Gun soundtrack, 1986. <laughs> and that was like good times, man. Top Gun soundtrack, creating forms. And, and you know what? Top Gun's coming out again this year. I think you're going to have to get a typewriter. When I was reading this book, Upstream, they were talking about FEMA were testing in 2004, and they called it the PAM test. Have you heard of this? Mm-mm. So the year before Katrina, they were testing if the levees broke, and they predicted 60,000 deaths. I think there was only there were 1800 deaths and the reason so their near miss was the contra lanes contra flow yeah the highway they said they failed the prior year and that was the one they tried to test and because they failed that that was why they were able to get everybody out and nobody really hears about that they hear about all the other shit from katrina but that shit was bound to happen that was a lot of shit when 1800 people die in america drowning in their attics it's kind of a bad deal like but it could have been six crazy it could have been yeah I the guess contract, though, if, if, because the year before i don't remember specifically the year before but i've lived in south louisiana all but one and a half years of my life and i've evacuated for a lot of hurricanes okay. and okay. yeah and i have been stuck i can tell you in 2000 so if katrina was 2005 it was probably 2003 i can't remember which storm it was but i remember being trying to get to my parents house which is two hours away usually and it was like 10 hours or something crazy I'm sure during the chaos, it seems like nothing. You know, it's like 25 hours. It doesn't yeah. seem like a lot. Dude, if we if we had another hour, I can tell you. Because you know, it was crazy. It was yeah. just, it was. That's for our other podcasts, storms. Yeah. It's kind of crazy. You have these near misses and those people don't really get celebrated. It's almost like when there's a big revolution in accounting, maybe if they don't thank Amanda, they need to because <laughs> of all the other tracks Lord. that she made. You know what I mean? Please like, it's... talk to my 17-year-old daughter and tell her I'm smart because she thinks I'm an idiot. No, we can't do that. <laughs> Legally, we can't do that. <laughs> That'd be creepy. Um, skip the, skip the uh, teen years. When I got married, my dad was like, I'm glad I'm getting a daughter at age 30. <laughs> Nothing wrong with teenage right. daughters. My daughter's about to go to high school, and that's pretty crazy. Yeah. So what's the, So tell that's us how... You. So. You got into accounting. Tell us yep. how you eventually got 
to starting your own business, your own accounting. Okay. So I finished my degree at the University of Denver and started working for Deloitte back when it was Deloitte and Touche and then transferred to new, to the New Orleans office and did that for a little while. I had a corporate controllership job for a while after that. And then I had two babies in like 15 and a half months and like they're back to back. And I was like, I'm going to mess something up. I can't run this company with no, I haven't slept in years, you know, like I've got to quit. So I quit working. And didn't work for probably seven years, close to seven years. And then I got divorced. And I was like, well, I'm going to have to go get a freaking job at some point. So do I want to go back to what I was doing at Deloitte or in this corporate controllership position with these two kids? And we were all going through this divorce and, you know, it was upheaval, which, you know, it's all uncertain. And so I was like, I don't really want to do either of those things. So what if I just take my accounting knowledge and do some contract work? I'll just, I'll pick up a couple contract clients and kind of get back into it and just see where it goes. And that's how my firm started, just with a couple contract clients. So how'd you get your first clients? A friend of mine was, and still is, a partner at a law firm in town. And they were working through some of the BP oil spill settlement. And so the, the basis of the, of the awards in the oil settlement case were it was based on financial financial records, right? So like if you could show lost revenue, you could get a settlement from BP. This attorney friend of mine was looking to get an accountant to help either reconstruct records or try to interpret records. And so I got into some of these, into some of these clients with him. And I was like, this is possibly the worst record keeping. Like how do these people, how are these people running businesses? You know, how are they staying afloat? Like there's clearly a need for outsourced accounting for these businesses. So that's how it's, that's how it started. I think you're a teacher, right? And I think that you, you're very, you have a lot of wisdom. And at what point did you decide, I have a lot of wisdom that I could share with others. I'm going to do what I know and I'm going to teach what I know. That's how I was introduced to you was elephant. And you were, you were, you bought out like an entire block on ZeroCon, and I just saw this was so cool. This is somebody who has a firm and also has a trading platform, and I just learned all of it on the spot, like at the bar with you. And I just it was like, wow! Funny. Like I was amazed. It made an impression on me. Those um, the good old days when we go to conferences and hang out, walking from bar to bar. It was so fun. Like it yeah. Was, that was fun. That was a like good a time, man. That too. I just first time I had ever done something like that, so that was fun. That was that turned. That was crazy. That was fun. So I didn't ever set out. Well, I always like. I've always liked teaching. I've always liked teaching. But you played teacher. I played teacher in middle school. And yeah, I did. When so I always liked teaching, and then plus accounting. But I didn't set out to do to create. I'm tell you. How, I'll tell you what happened. My best friend from college and I. Her name's Monica. She was helping me in my firm. This is like the beginning of the practice. So like 2014, 15. <clears throat> she was just pitching in and helping me build my practice. And we were using zero and she's like, this zero stuff is really cool. Cause she's, she's a CPA as well. This zero stuff's really cool. I'm like, I know. And like, we learned something new. We're like, that's really cool. Yeah, I know. That's really cool. I don't, I wish people, more people knew about zero because it's, it's awesome. And so she is my travel buddy. Like we travel, we've traveled all over the world together. And she's like, Hey, what if we come up with a company and we can go teach business owners how to use Zero wherever they are. And then we can travel and write it off. I was like, that is brilliant. <laughs> it turns out it's a really terrible idea because <laughs> like the, the 
one-to-many work doesn't it just doesn't work when nobody knows of the platform that you want to teach and also like the idea of traveling around is incredibly inefficient to teach a couple of people how to use software. I mean, you're the master at the flywheel though. This sounds I, like I all my like clients are like, doing... I want to do this. Like, <laughs> let's write it off. Like, Yeah, that was that was the whole gist. It was like, let's write it off. And you take things off and create businesses, like expense line items that you're turning into revenue streams, right? Well, yeah, Almost. except that it didn't happen that way. <laughs> so, so we never did one training for business owners in on site. Like we were like, okay, well, we're just gonna pick the cities in the in the U.S. that we want to go to, and then we'll just get a hotel ballroom, and then we'll fill it with people that want to learn. That was never gonna happen. And then in the same in the same breath, we're like, well, we have to, you know, we've got to register this LLC, and so we can, you know, legitimize it. What should we call it? We're like, it doesn't freaking matter what we call it. This isn't even a real business. This is just an excuse to go travel. <laughs> And so we're like, well, what about, we thought about a lot of things, but we're like, well, you know, the elephant in the room with businesses is finance. Like that's the thing they avoid talking about. And, you know, it seems overwhelming. And how do you eat an elephant one bite at a time? We're like, all right, well, cool. We're from Louisiana. Let's spell it the French way. Cool. It doesn't matter because nobody's ever going to listen to anything we have to say anyway. So that's how we end up with the name. And then the the way we pivoted to training accountants and bookkeepers was just randomly. I was talking to some of our friends, some of our peers, and was like, I've got this idea. I think you're going to, you know, you're a zero um, advisor too. And don't you think it's awesome and more businesses should use it. And I think we're going to travel around and teach folks how to use it. And some, one of our, our friends looked at me and said, teach, you're going to teach businesses. Can you come freaking teach my staff? Like my staff needs to know how to use zero. And I was like, oh, that could Ooh, work. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That could yeah. work. We could just teach big light bulb. Accountants yeah. yeah, accountants and bookkeepers how to do it. And we should do it virtually. So that was 2016, 17. So that's how we that's where Elephant came from. Is that how you became the mother of all accountants? And that's when I say all accountants, I mean the change agents in the accounting yeah. industry. Like the that's mother of all cool. change agents, Amanda. That's very sweet. So this will get a, this is gonna get real hippie real fast so oh, so i've been pulling tarot cards every morning you're up in my oh tarot my cards. wife is so into tarot god yeah. so i've been pulling tarot cards every morning like not reading a whole thing but just like pulling one card the day and the empress card keeps coming up for me which is the is the mother figure is like the nurturing spirit so it's funny that you say that i do feel like i'm kind of everybody's mom i love that yeah, i do right there we have into... tarot card readings yeah totally. <laughs> so my wife we go to the renaissance festival every year which is, I mean, the best for sightseeing. And she always gets her, her fortune told tarot style. And I went last year with her and she's like, do it with me. And I was like, whatever, this is only, they charge like 50 bucks. I'm like, this is insane. So the lady tells me, and she's like, I see a career change happening for you. And she's like, you're going to quit your job soon. I was like, I don't think so. <laughs> like, <laughs> like I, I, like basically own a business, like that's going to be tough to do. <laughs> so basically, it's, I don't trust tarot cards anymore. Uh, well, it's I'll not make that punchline a lot better. I was like, that's I'll the one thing you, you couldn't say. You could have <laughs> said post. like, you're going to get divorced and like marry a goat. And I'd be like, okay, that makes a little more sense. Yeah. <laughs> you never, you never know. Maybe it's not. Maybe it's not it is real. Maybe, maybe, it's a, maybe it's not quitting your job and changing jobs. Maybe it's. It's changing the way you work or changing something about your job. Who knows? Mm. I don't know. I think it's just interesting. Like, mm. I just think it's, I certainly don't like steer my life based on whatever my heart is. But <laughs> yeah, morning, like, you know? 
Like, no, but there's Stark. insight though, because I think I feel like you are what you pay attention to. If we're gonna go hippie, yeah. then I feel like you are what you pay attention to. So whatever is gonna come out there, it's gonna bring out whatever's whatever you're honing in on anyway. So it's whatever is as you're doing it, and I've never done it before, but I feel like don't give the secret of tarot cards away. It's not a secret. It's just validity. It's giving validity to what you see, because what you're seeing the you know you're seeing the part that you let, and then you read more on that, right? You dig into the details of something that means more to you. So then you'll dig into the details and the spiritualness of it. I think I don't know. Yeah, it's, just, it's intuition, and it's like you know you're exactly right, Scott. Like it's it's about highlighting something to pay attention to. And I think most of us go through our lives every single day, not paying attention to very much, right? just being reactive. And I mean, you know, all this metaphysical mysticism stuff aside, like, I think there's a lot of value in starting your morning and saying, you know what, today, I just want to be aware of this thing. I want to pay attention to this thing. Like, I want to pay attention to how I'm mothering my children or my friends or my peers. Or I want to, you know, pay attention to money and material things. Or I want to pay attention to my health. Like, it, like if you could- That's enough for one day. That's yeah. awesome. I love yeah. that. Yeah. So and then next time I see you, I'll bring the cards and we'll so read what it. was the thing you did I today? I would love that, yeah. What's, what's the thing you're focusing on today? My card today was, I think it was about finances. I have to look because I, 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 keep, I keep a log every day. So I can't remember if that was today or yesterday. Of course but, uh, you keep a log every day. Of course I do. You should. In no, my no, planner. Yeah. <laughs> no, because it should drive your actions for that day. And especially if it's something finances. Okay, you know what? I need to dust up underneath there. You know, I need to catch this part. Because I haven't looked at my finances in a while. And I'm yeah. actually being serious. So okay, here's I a quick business idea. Tomorrow. Tarot I'll just cards. Do, I'll, I'll lag a day, Amanda. Just tell me which one you did yesterday. And I'll just lag you <laughs> one day. I'm cool with that. So quick business idea, tarot cards, but designed for accountants yeah, or, or clients. Like they're yeah. all focus and you, you pick a card and that's what you focus on that Just day. don't call do you, it tarot cards. You just got to call it something else and then they'll what buy do you it think Call client, it forecasting. Forecasting their future. Say, if you're like, so we're going to start this meeting. I need you to pick something out of this deck. Pick one of them. Shuffle them, feel them. You know, really center yourself. Pull a card. Like, it. Oh, you know, whatever. Taxes. <laughs> oh, that's good. It's an idea. It, it could be a write-off for sure. Can we, yeah. Right. Can we brainstorm that one again later? Yeah, that's that's a good one. So, fork. In speaking of forecast. So, so, so how? Did, uh, so, do you have an accounting firm anymore? Or is it all elephant? I do oh, still have an accounting firm. Straight to the punch. I do still so, have an accounting so firm. So how do you split your time? <laughs> well. Tarot cards. Yeah, no. Well, as you guys know, I am now the CEO of Paget, And so that is my full-time job now. The The elephant stuff is pretty much like kind of runs on it, its own with a little bit of attention for me. And then my firm, I have um, a really wonderful lead accountant who pretty much runs the firm. So I don't I don't spend a whole lot of time doing either of those two things anymore. So Amanda, this, it must be comforting too to know that you've like, and I I talk about this before, like you're climbing mountains almost, like with a lot of these journeys, and then almost it's like, okay, I think this is good now. I can let it go to the kids, and I'm gonna go do my next thing. And I feel like that's where Paget fell in this evolution because now you can help all of these other firms, and they all really do need help. Yeah. And you're the mother yeah. to help them all. I feel like I, 
I feel like my, you know, the last eight or nine years of my career have really set me up to be in the right spot at the right time with Paget. I really do believe that because it's a, you know, it's a big company, it's a huge company, but it's, if you look at it, it's really 180 practices, just like the one I built, you know, sole, so usually sole owner, small, one or two employees, maybe a little more. I mean, Scott's got a much bigger one, but, but for the most part, those, those franchises look very much like mine looks or looked. So, you know, I've got, I've got the resources and I've got the opportunity. I've got the, the learnings to be able to help these franchise owners really build the practices they want to build. So I, you know, coming out of my divorce, I built a practice that served me where I was at the time. I needed flexibility. I needed to build a lifestyle practice. Like I couldn't have built the kind of firm that, that, that you guys have, because that's not where I was in that at that time. But I, I think, I mean, the firm's a reflection of you. It's just like a pet is the reflection of you. Like Ackerman's pug is a reflection of him. Your firm's a reflection of you at the time. And that's, yeah, and that's what it yeah, was. That's, so cool. that's what it was. And so, so I was really deliberate about picking technology and processes to keep it super lean because that's the way, you know, that lifestyle practices need to run. It needs to run without me, but, but that's kind of the same wiring that you need to build a scalable practice or that you need to build um, a practice that's going to have value after you. So I feel like the last eight years, as I've done this in my own firm, it's, it's really gotten me to where I need to be right now to do this, you know, 180 other times. So what do you, when you look at these or another 180 practices. after that, and then another That's right. 180 after that and scale right. that. So when you look at these these practices, what's the biggest thing you think that they need to change? Well, I think that they are not unlike most sole prop accounting practices in the country in that they have not figured out a way to carve out time to work on the business strategically. They are the product. And it's really tough to change anything when you are selling your time. You know, so what I'm hoping to be able to do is to help folks figure out ways to sell stuff that's not you, that's not you. You've got to figure out a way to sell staff time, processes, technology, productized services in a way that's, that gets you at least a little bit of, you know, leeway and, and some space out of the business. So you can sit at the top and look at it objectively and say, well, what, you know, what do we want this to look like in three, five years and, and be able to, to turn the ship a little bit. They have to sell without selling and that comes with bringing forward the value and understanding the value that you are bringing. Like, I feel like there most, a lot of people are already bringing a lot of value and they just don't see that. And so they have to really understand that first internally, then they can, they don't have to sell because it's effortless. Yeah. 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 There's gotta be a mindset shift, mindset shift about what it is that you're selling. And, you know, Roger Harris, who's the president says often, you got to sell what you know, not what you do. Like your, your value is what you know. It's, you know, for a lot of these folks, it's 40 years of knowledge in the accounting or tax space. Like that has value beyond how long it takes you to fill out a form. Yeah, so, those years, you can't replace that with anything else. And nobody can put themselves right in your shoes if they've been doing something else for 40 years. So that's a huge value right there. And then once they understand that, then all of a sudden, a lot of the other stuff that they used to worry about gets cleared out yeah. the way. There's C's part. Yeah. So that's where, that's where I'm coming in, I guess. That's a good place. And it's a good time to come in. You're the apex of change agents in the industry at Paget. you know, so it, within your circle now, you have a bigger circle that you can impact, right? 
Yeah. Awesome. You, you mean you were like the mother of accounting salon too, which we haven't <laughs> talked about. And I would love to hear more about it because I don't know a lot about it. How'd you find out about Zero? That is a good question. Okay. You did write the book on Zero Because you too. literally wrote the book, which Scott's I holding up. This is, a, this is a hearing podcast. So you can't see the book. You can hear can we get like Amanda's a fun, voice. Like, you can hear we Amanda's order voice. it. You wrote it. Can we like get a fun signed copy where you put yeah. like... I'll send you like, one. You draw a typewriter or something on it. <laughs> yeah, sure. Jason, I will send you a typewriter. I'll pay Maybe for it. it. You I'll don't have to it. pay for it. Let's, let's actually hear about the author. Yeah. Of the book. Amanda, you, you wrote some really good quotes, or you you put together some very good quotes in here, too. Because I, I can't claim that I read the whole book, but I, I did read the quotes. And I did read the stuff that you wrote, like, in the beginning and stuff. And it was great. I mean, because I'm just imagining this in schools. I'm imagining, like, schools learning about QuickBooks and Zero, and what other book would they get in well, school? That- so back, back up, how did you find out, how did you learn about okay. Zero? Okay, how did I learn about Zero? So I told you guys when I decided to, when I saw all this really crappy bookkeeping work, doing the BP oil spill stuff, I was like, okay, well, I need to go to, I'm going to go to a, a conference. So I went to the Louisiana Society of CPAs Technology. And I was in one session about small business accounting software. I'm like, I need to know this. I'm going to need to get some software. So of a 50-minute session, like literally 43 minutes of it were QuickBooks online. Here's how you do you need QuickBooks online and QuickBooks online, all this stuff. And then they, he was like, well, there's this other company that's out of New Zealand. And this was, so if this was, this is no, no jokes, it was probably 2013, 2013, I think, maybe in 2012, but I think 2013, which that was zero showed up in the US at like 2012. He's like, there's this company out of New Zealand. They have some cool stuff. It's really neat. It was always built in the cloud. So it works pretty well. And they have this thing, it's called cash coding. And he did a demo of cash coding. And I was like, almost in tears. I was like, this is the coolest thing I've ever seen. Like, I want this. This is what I want for my life, cash coding. And so I just signed up to be a, an advisor. And like, I mean, that was early, early days. Like there were there were probably a couple dozen advisors in the US back then. Like, I think I was the only person from between Houston and like Atlanta for a little while. Do you think so, it was part of, part of you is counterculture? I hear everything's QuickBooks, QuickBooks, QuickBooks. And then they said, oh, there's this other thing, zero. Like to me, it's like, ah, there's yeah. something else. Well, a co- yeah, a couple things. So let's, here's a tangent for you. There's a, um, a theory by this woman, Gretchen Rubin, that people have one of four tendencies. And it's it's about who you who you who you are accountable to if you're accountable to yourself or to others and like the mix there's you know four options for that right well i am a questioner <laughs> I, mm-hmm. I i'm a questioner so i know that anything that comes up i'm i'm just have questions and like if you tell me to do something i'm i'm not going to do it i need to figure things out on my own and so to your point like, yeah maybe a little bit it wasn't that it was countercultural but it was it was that i mean it also QBO is a piece of crap in 2013. Mm-hmm. Like, let's not forget that. The, the QBO of 2021 was not the QBO of 2013. So it was really terrible. So it, between like being interested in something that was different than the big green thing, and then also actually looking at the product, I was like, this, it doesn't even compare. Like the interface is so much cleaner. It's so much slicker. Doesn't break every you know, 35 minutes. So I would just went all in zero from that day. Like I never have taken a QuickBooks client ever, never. And I never will. Do you know what I tell people? My roads. Hmm. Uh, I tell people that I like the color blue more than I like green. <laughs> I th- that's an honest answer right now. That's my only honest answer is I like blue. 
Better than green? Yeah. It's just I a just, better color. That's a sales I like them right both. there. Yeah. And no, no, but people don't question that. No, they don't really so right, even question though. it. Because we started about the same time. And we actually started putting, we like, I did a trial with QuickBooks Online. I was like, yeah, this is no good. And then I was looking for an alternative and went to went to Engage, actually, is where we found out about Zero. Yeah. That's cool that Louisiana has like a tech, their own little Everybody tech has a tech. South Carolina does not yeah, have Louisiana's a Louisiana's big. It's a big. State society doesn't run a tech conference? I mean, I no. Well, I <laughs> I'm wouldn't... sure they there is one. I, I I would hate to think that there isn't. There's a tech conference. Everybody has one. And now they're like the digitalcpa.com conference, you know? Yeah, or yeah but that's, that's an AICPA thing. That's, I think it's cool. I'm, I'm, I 100% know that South Carolina in 2013 did not have a, a technology conference. Well, conference. Really? I'm not going to speak to the quality of it. I'm just going to say they had it. <laughs> I mean, it I was like, um, no jokes. Most of it was like, here's how, here's the latest scanner. You know, yeah. that's hitting the market. Or here's how we do this thing in pivot tables in Excel. Like, it wasn't real tech. People that are predisposed to have some kind of tech background probably would have saw through a lot of the QuickBooks bullshit. And that's why they went to zero because it was full. I mean, it was being developed and it was a better product then, too. <sighs> There's still people who don't see through the bullshit now in 2020. Well, no, no, that, that's definitely true. Like, I, I'm, I'm well, with you. More people... You had to stumble upon change. zero, like it wasn't like zero was there. Yeah. You had yeah. to find it on your own. You had to get lucky. Well, you had to be at one of these tech conferences and get lucky. No, because you are what you pay attention to. Like I, I found zero late, but it was still immediately when I found it, I got latched onto it. But it was a client that was leaving us that told me about it. Huh. You know, they were just, they actually told me about Alibaba too. But they were they were one of the first people that even I even found out about that. I was like probably 15, you know, and he mentioned, oh, yeah, you know, we're moving and we're going to do this and we're going to be remote and we're just going to be on zero. And I'm like, I did a, like a my head yeah. whipped around. I'm like, whoa, all right, this is probably something worth looking at. And then that's what we did. And I was like head and my heel or, you know, tail between my legs kind of thing. It was such a cool, I was like, wow, they have a conference too. And I'm sure QuickBooks had a conference, but it was probably shit. You know, and I just thought this is. I know this the QuickBooks conference is apparently pretty good. Never been. I've never been guy. to the conference, but I did go to the. I've been to every single zero conference in the U.S. And the very first one was 2013. It was like right after I had learned about about zero. I was like, I'm going to go to the conference, and I show up. It was in San Francisco, in like this kind of like art gallery. It's just one big room. And I think there. I swear, I think there were like 250 people there. I walk in the room, and I, you know, coming from my traditional tax background show up to the conference and you know a sensible dress and heels because that's what you wear to, co to accounting conference. <laughs> <laughs> i walk up i walk in the front door and there's like like literally everybody's in t-shirts and jeans you know zero t-shirts and i walk in the front door and there's a gentleman standing there just greeting people and he's like hi what's your name i'm like amanda he's like well i'm rod drury <laughs> who if for anyway listening is one of the founders of zero was standing there just greeting everybody at the hand. door yeah He's an awesome dude. He's an awesome dude. He was greeting everybody at the door back then. And honestly, like he would, he would greet everybody up until he, he didn't, he's kind of He's, you know, he's rolled off as the um, CEO, but every conference, I mean, he's just approachable, awesome dude. So, but yeah, but I, he, I was like, that's kind of cool. Usually accounting conferences, there aren't like really smart people standing there at the door in their jeans, shaking your hand 
when they own, you know, they've started this crazy company. So, well, is that a mindset too, though? Thinking like, wait, they don't put smart people at the front, but then the owner of this company is, or the founder is like, so what's the difference? Why, why am I thinking that these other companies don't put smart people in front, you know, like, well, that's a good segue to accounting salon if you want to, because (laughs) (laughs) I find that most accounting conferences are really just commercials for apps or vendors. The content is usually so heavily sponsored and dictated by vendors that it's not the best content, which is why I started Accounting Salon. Tell us about Accounting Salon. I'm at the edge of my seat at each, yeah. each thing that we're talking about. These are big segments here, big Trello boards. Yeah. So Accounting Salon started because I was at AccountX, if I'm being honest. I was at AccountX. And I was like, well, so like I'd gone to one session. So this is probably 2017, if I had to guess. I'd gone to one session. It was like the modern accountant or living a, having a lifestyle practice or something like that was supposedly <laughs> so sexy, right? It's like, oh, well, whoever this is and I, we're Put just going to be. Yeah. yeah, totally. I'm like, oh, I know this. This is going to be so awesome. This is going to change my life. I sit in this ballroom <clears throat> and the dude's slides were like not in high depth, like like elongated perspective. They were like whatever it is, ninety, what whatever the perspective is of like an old monitor or an old TV where it's like almost square and it was projected up on you know a, a wide screen with like the black banner, the black space fillers. I was like, this is the guy that's going to teach me about modernizing my practice. Like you can't even do a freaking <laughs> PowerPoint in the right perspective. And it was like all stock photography and really bad fonts. Like word art. Do you remember word art? Like word art stuff and Wait, bad. We shouldn't content. use word art <laughs> on PowerPoints. I have to change some things. <laughs> I was like, this is terrible. And so, so that was that was the beginning of the day. And then at the end of the day, I ended up at a bar, as one does, with what Doug Sleater, Clayton Notes, Rachel Fish, and a couple other folks. And I was like, like people that I had, I knew of, and I knew they were really smart and maybe a little bit friendly, but didn't really know. I was like, we're all at this hotel bar talking about whatever it was. I was like, this is the value of this conference is right here. It's not what was on the stage, you know, eight hours ago. It's sitting here talking to these real people about what's going on in the industry and how they're running their practices. I was like, what if we could just cut to this? You know, like, what if we can just skip all the beginning stuff in the ballrooms and get to the the back of the room or the bar conversations? Skip all the social media and all the quick bait and get to the bar. Yeah. So that's uh, Accounting Salon. Or, oh. or, or some people say accounting saloon. Saloon. So what's this? The, so we'll explain the difference between a salon and a saloon for those that don't know. Not I much. I need to do that. What is a salon then? Like, so then let's back like, to Tell the, us what a, so, so how do we sign up for it? Yeah. So, so a salon is, you know, going back to French roots is like, comes from the age of enlightenment when people would just sit around a parlor and talk about these big ideas and nobody was the center. Nobody was the expert. It was just an exchange of free, free throwing, flowing ideas about something, right. Or things. And everybody was equals and diverse uh, thoughts. And so I was like, wow, that's, that's like the spirit of what I want to do for accounting salon. I want it to be a group of people in a room just talking about it, like being vulnerable and talking about what's going on in their practices, but also like this, just some of the smartest people in, in the industry. And so we started with 18 people in, in 2018. I had this idea for accounting salon 
And I was like, man, you know, I know all the cool zero people, I think, but there have to be some really smart people on the QuickBooks side. Like there have to be some forward thinking folks over there. I just don't know any of them. So agents from within. Yeah. So I was like, how do I tap into the Intuit people? And that's like right around then is when I got introduced to David Leary, who worked at Intuit for 21 years and knows everybody over there. So I was like, I've got this crazy idea. Do you want to help me find some people on the other side? And, and he did. And so, so he and I picked like 18 people or like, you know, just some zero people, some QuickBooks people come to new Orleans. We'll sit around a room. We'll drink. We'll have a good time. And we did that in 2018 and it was awesome. And so every year we've been adding a couple more people to that, to that group, but we really do. We've now that again, now that this is going to stick, I think that it turns out it's a viable idea. We are really deliberate about the invitations we extend because we want it to be a diverse group. In a lot like of different ways. Invited, Scott. It's okay. I'm very divisive. It's deliberate. Like we want groups, folks at different size firms, different platform bases, different, you know, industries, different parts of the world. So we've got people right now from Australia, UK, Canada, and in America and North and United States. So yeah. So we'll so see. From within, are there factions of QuickBooks versus zero inside the accounting salon? What we're talking about is so far beyond general ledger stuff. It doesn't even matter. We're talking about staffing and compensation and advanced and there are offerings. no colors it's no green or blue it, when you're talking yeah. about that yeah it really it is just so give us something that you that was like enlightening french style like you're in a big <laughs> tell us something that you learned from one of these sessions well i'll tell you the first year the first year we did heather satterley and jake Hummelman did a session on zapier so this is 2018 i didn't really know i knew of zapier i didn't know zapier and like that was 90 minutes of my life. I, I was like, holy shit, this has changed my life. Like that you can do all this crazy stuff with Zapier. It's like programming, you know, it's like coding, but without, it's like coding with like pictures, you know? Mario Kart coding. Yeah. 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 Like this is freaking awesome. This is going to be like probably the most important thing accountants can learn in the next five years. So that was very cool. Um, Liz Mason's done one. She's done a couple of them, but she's, she did one that year on building a cult following and like, She's, she's hilarious. It was like a parallel between building a cult following with your clients and Jonestown. I've <laughs> so, never heard this story. I like this. So she did this whole thing of like, you know, Jim Jones and like what he built with, with his, his cult and like how you can, how you should maybe parlay some of those ideas into building. Oh, that is creepy. Following. <laughs> you know, you know, didn't, didn't Blake say something about a cult last week too? Well, Blake yeah. was in the room, so maybe he got it from, from, um, all right. So this is what the industry needs. And that's that's what the accounting salon is too. It's like a house of change agents. Then you go spread out, spread your wings and spread the news. And then they, people go on Twitter and they go everywhere else. And more and more people yeah. find out. And every year it's bigger and bigger if you stay the course. Well, what was interesting, what was really, I was going to say interesting. That's not the right word. It, what was inspiring or moving last year was because we couldn't do an on-site in May, like we usually would do in 2020, we took all the speakers who were going to speak at accounting salon in New Orleans, agreed to share their presentations virtually. And so we opened it up and made it a free virtual conference for the world. And we had, it was called Salon V and we had like 1200 people wow. <laughs> sign up for this thing. It was so That's crazy. That's awesome. It's like a wild idea. I was like, hey, David, what if we just take this? I mean, if anybody can flip to a virtual conference, it's us. 
and we did and it was it was freaking awesome and people will still like i'll still hear from people like this week somebody who says salon b was the best for his content goes it was the most relevant wow. most interesting content i've ever been to you were just trying to do something just right out there just yeah. putting out there and covid brought out the best and the worst in people and yeah. some of the best things has stories like this i'm sure everybody's life changed during covid you really figure out who you are, I think, when a lot of that other stuff yeah. is taken away. Yeah. Well, apparently I'm an accounting nerd. Because <laughs> that's what I did. <laughs> yeah. There's no apparent or anything. Yeah. Like that, you know? Yeah. So tell us, what are you most excited about in the accounting world over the next few years? Oh, gosh. Well, I'll, okay. So what I think is going to be real, real interesting is in the next five years, you know, probably more than half of accounting practice owners are going to retire and what happens with those practices. So, you know, there's, I think there's a big opportunity for those of us who get it and who have, you know, who have processes and tech down and can, can go grab these, these firms, because I, I think they're going to be like, I think they're going to be cheap. <laughs> like yeah. unless the way, unless folks change the way that they are running their practices, like there's, there's not, there's going to be, it's going to be totally a buyer's market because. But it's going to be a win-win for everybody. I don't think a lot of these people see the value that they've been bringing forward either. And they may not, may think they have to work till they retire. You know, they may not think there's some equity in that. Who knows? You know, I don't know. I I think, I think historically owners have thought, you know, because this is the way it used to be. It used to be, you just take the top line revenue, you give somebody one, one, you know, 1.2 on top line revenue. And that was it. Just that's the way it was. Like that was the price of things. Now, you know, for you and I, like you guys and I, would you go buy a traditional book of business at full, at that value? I don't, I'm not sure that you would. Buy a pageant office, hopefully. Oh God, I hope you get a commission on that. Somebody that, that is looking to build this. And it's a huge opportunity because it's getting it pennies on the dollar. You could buy into a system that yeah. can then convert clients and maybe you need a support system when you're going through something like that. And nobody knows how much they need it until they go through it. Yep. And you don't go through it until you go through it. So it's it's almost yep. like this is easy money and then build up any models to do that with. So th- this is an example now that's happening in real time. So you can't think about our mindset and say we would never do that because it's not about what we would yeah, do. Yeah, but I think her point was that the supply and demand, there's going to be a lot more... Yeah, but you could always find ways to sell that too. I think the solution is going to be finding out in these five years, how, how can we make this palatable so that we don't have an exodus of. Well, that's the thing is that's the thing is like, as, as folks start to age out and sell practices, those of us who will buy them, me, you, Jason, it's going to have to just all shake out. Like it's going to have to, you're going to, it's going to, somebody's going to go through the process of trying to take a very traditional practice and folding it into more modern practice. And there's going to be some fallout and there are going to be some lessons there and some, probably some tears, you know, there's going to be some, there are going to be some lost clients. There are going to be some lost staff. And as every time that happens, you know, every time that happens over the next five years, it's going to get. I, I think a couple of things have happened. One, one is that it, the process is going to get slicker, right? Like people will know how to do it. But I think it's also going to drive values down for those those practices because there's going to be learnings. You're going to be like, okay, well, yeah, maybe maybe you have you know eight hundred thousand dollars with the clients, but once you know, I've seen this. I've put in my processes, my technology, and a third of those clients leave because they don't want to you know use a scanner or log into the internets. So yeah, yeah. we'll see. But if you have the right people to manage the change from for, for that and manage the clients through that, 
then you have some people that are touch points, you know, during that process. So they're used to dealing with people that need to learn how to scan. That's an interesting, well, that's another interesting point is how are we going to staff these new practices? And are you going to go staff them with, does it matter if you staff them with CPAs or degreed accountants? Maybe you need to staff your practices with more people who are just good at technology. Or just (laughs) good with technology and people. Yeah, Right. Good with people, good with technology, organized, linear thinkers, like, or problem solvers, that's probably more important than, you know, or at least as important as knowing how to book. Well, you got to have somebody with the or... credentials at the helm too. Somebody yeah, that but, makes yeah. the final call. Yeah. But you need all those people. So it gets, so when you ask me what I'm most excited about, I think it's about to get real interesting. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> these problems are fun to solve because yeah. there's no right answer right now. So that's, it takes the, it takes the stress over figuring it out off and then realizing that, that, everybody's trying to figure this out right now you know have you ever i mean have you ever thought about buying a practice not until recently you know because when the kids were little it's just i didn't have the capacity to to so if you're gonna look at buying a practice what are you gonna look at i'm going to look at i'm gonna look real hard at clients (laughs) i'm gonna look a little bit hard at the staff i'm look real hard at clients and and like under like get under the hood with clients what kind of clients are these how willing are they to change? What kind of industries are they? What kind of, you know, software are they using? Are they, are they even using software? Are they expecting me to, or someone to be at a physical office all the time? So, so I, I would get real deep on, um, I would get real deep on the client base. And why, why are you interested in buying a practice? Because you asked her. Because I think it's a, I think it's a buyer's market. I think there's money to be made. So you think there's value? in by there's value now and i think i think there will be some good deals to be had how about that i think that if you see the value in it there's probably value in anything if you want to buy a practice you're going to buy it for if you want the team or the staff that they have because you're short then you might buy it for that i was almost thinking about that when i was in a bad place i was like man i just want to buy a whole staff so i don't care about their clients i don't care about all this other shit i just want you know, all the people that they hired. Yeah. But that's not going to solve any of my problems, buying somebody else's people. I I have to solve those myself. At the end of the day, it's what problem are you trying to solve? Do you want more revenue? Then buy a practice. That's probably the quickest way to add to your top line revenue. You know, you're not going to grow that fast where you can just buy a $400,000 practice. Boom. Yeah. So I don't know. It's for whatever reason. (laughs) I'm answering your question that you asked. <laughs> My bad. Sorry, do, y'all, do y'all do this to everybody? Almost. Like you mean yeah. listen to Scott answer, answer his own questions? Because <laughs> yeah. he's asking general questions. And I'm like, I could answer any general question, dude. I want to hear about Amanda. Yeah. That's why she's here. But this isn't about me or you. So, this is about okay. guest. So we're almost out of time because Amanda has things to do. I've got a quote. The best CFO is the CEO if you give them the numbers and you're just making one and one equal, not just two, it could be four, it could be eight, it could be whatever you want it to be. The best CFO is the CEO if you give them the numbers. So one and one doesn't always equal two. Save this for our other podcasts where we just read quotes to each other. (laughs) That's funny. It's just fun. Yeah, that's sweet. That's so cute. I wish I had somebody to read me quotes about (laughs) business leadership. If you go on my OnlyFans account, I'll read you poetry. Oh, perfect. Yeah. We talked about OnlyFans last week with Zachary and Laurelyn. So we ask everyone this. Uh I ask everyone this. Give us some sort of advice of all your things that you've learned 
to a new firm owner that's starting out? What's a piece of advice you can give them? Man, probably just not to get hung up on every little decision because they're all going to change. Like, I like I, one thing that just makes me so upset is these bookkeeping coaches or practice owner coaches who are like, you must pick your niche before you even have one client. Who knows what they want to specialize in? Don't put pressure on yourself to make the right decisions starting out because you're not gonna. You're just not gonna. You just make the best decision you can with the information you have and you pivot and you reassess and you change. Don't get hung up on like every little thing. Just keep 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 on swimming. I love that. Yeah, keep on swimming. Everybody always ends with a break. Okay, so Amanda, tell us you've got like literally four hundred thousand things you're doing. Tell <laughs> us okay, first of all, if we want to buy the zero book. The easiest on Amazon. I will click a link in the show links. Yeah, oh, it's on Amazon, link. but you you know I do like a good independent bookstore. So if you are willing to wait, go to your independent bookstore and ask them to get it. For and you. then leave a review on Amazon, please. Please leave a review on Amazon. Please leave a review on Amazon. Oh, it helps so much. Yeah, so if right you guys now. haven't done that, please do that. I believe I did, but if I didn't, I will go on there and, and leave a review. You yes. can leave another one. It, I, I don't <laughs> know if I could leave two, but I'll buy one for my daughter and I'll really leave it. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So and then accounting salon. Yeah, accountingsalon.com. You can see you can see who's in it. You can see where we're gonna be, like those folks as they have speaking engagements. We try to keep our calendar up to date, and hopefully, we'll see if we do another Salon V. There's definitely interest in it for this year, so we have talked about maybe doing it in December. Another salon. maybe you do bite sized as the V, like and then bite sized pieces. And then, if you want your whole team to get trained on zero and go to Elephant. Yeah, elephanttraining.com. Elephant with an F. So E-L-E-F-A-N-T training.com. Just reach out to me there. We do have also like some self-paced stuff that's in there about zero. So if you're if you're just starting off on zero, there's a ton of content that's subscription based that you yeah. can get to. And Amanda literally wrote the book on zero. So <laughs> literally. <laughs> yeah. So, it's, so it's, we, it's, she can be trusted to teach you zero. I mean, I hope. I feel like I kind of know it. <laughs> that's beautiful so, amanda this has been amazing hopefully we'll get to see you in person soon at one of these conferences uh, maybe zero time this has been amazing thank you so much thank yeah. you amanda you guys before then good to hang with you peace